I think the first thing to, to discuss in chess is what happens when you first get interested in the game? What happens when you first start trying to maybe break into the inner circles of chess or just kind of get a hang of what chess is all about? Well, for me, it kind of worked out actually a little bit simply. I mean, just I started off, I played really badly. I went to the store. I saw some, I happened to see some chess books and I thought, oh, those books look, look interesting. How about, I don't know, <laughs> how about the first two or three books I should look into? And I tried to find books that would be really easy reads that I could finish maybe in a week. And I managed to find some beginner books that could be read really, really quickly. You know, then you have, let's say, 20, 30, 40 strategies that you can build on. And at some point I came across one book, I want to say it was something like the Encyclopedia of Chess Knowledge. There was another book I came across, which was the Complete Book of Chess Strategy by Jeremy Silman. And I just basically read through each of the sections. I saw what they were trying to say. I heard what he said about isolated pawns. I, I said, oh, okay. So sometimes you have a case of a pawn that, you know, is cut off from the rest of its pawns and there are no pawns on adjacent files. Okay, okay, so I'm aware of that. You know, you read about backward pawns, you go, okay, all right, well, I have an idea of what that is now. And you sort of get a feeling for all these different things. You read about doubled pawns, you go, okay, well, they might be a bit restricted in mobility, but there could be many positives. You might have open lines, you might have greater control of the center, you might have control over key squares. And so, I think an important thing very early on is to not have a dogmatic approach. You want to start off right out of the gates just with a kind of very open-minded attitude and I think that's why it's a bad idea even as a total beginner to learn hard and fast rules. I think, I mean, when I was trying to learn other things outside of chess, one of the stories I mentioned in the book Applying Logic in Chess that I wrote was that when I decided to play Scrabble for a little period of time, and I met this guy who was number 40 in the US, <clears throat> and, and he was telling me about general rules and general ideas, and, and I said, well, I don't want to learn anything too general. I want to make sure that I know what the exceptions are. And he was pretty intrigued by the fact that I didn't just want to know a whole bunch of hard and fast, simple rules that I would try to hold on to because of course, everything complicated can't be that simple. And so, for the most part, um, I always wanted to get into the nitty-gritty and, and have a very open-minded idea about all of these different things. And of course, there, there are different cases in chess where you have a number of different strategies that you can apply, which you can be complete about all of the strategies. Let's say it's defensive strategies. Let's say it's tactical weaknesses let's say it's tactical devices. There are a finite number of those things, and you can list all of them, but any rule you try to create about most of them will be quite difficult to actually apply and to be consistent about, but that's why with all of these different things, we you know, make sure we're clear on them, we make sure we, we know what we're discussing, and then we just learn more and more about them. And that's kind of how it is. It's sort of like, I mean, if you imagine it this way, you can think of it like 
maybe you have 15 different subjects, 20 different subjects, and you're just kind of filling your mind with more and more knowledge in all of those areas. And then eventually, you have a better and better grasp of all the nuances and subtleties. And you don't have to have any really hard and fast rules in almost any of those cases. So you can just kind of build on everything that you're, all this knowledge that you're kind of racking up. And of course, one of the things that's harder about chess than a lot of other things is that board vision is so difficult. So I really started off on the right track because I just happened to get this huge Polgar book, this huge book called Chess. And you know, the thing is some, some people might say, oh, that book's too hard. How could you possibly do that? Well, here's the way that I looked at it. When I wasn't a chess player, I would sometimes see people doing maybe a chess puzzle in a Sunday paper. And if it was a mate in one or a mate in two, even as a, you know, as an 800 level player or less, if it's mate in one or mate in two, I could kind of go, oh, okay, am I trying to checkmate the king here? Oh, okay, well, I see this square might be able to be a mating square, or I might be able to create some threats here. And, you know, your mind kind of gravitates towards squares near the king. So I, I think if it's something as simple as mating ones and mating twos and mating threes and very general strategies, that's a really good place to build from. So if you're building from that, you know, it puts you in a very good position. And of course, when I started playing, there wasn't really any way to kind of get a good awareness of these different types of just, you know, even even different types of mating ideas. And so if, I, if you tried to Google it back then, you would get basically nothing. Um, nowadays, there's a decent list on, on Wikipedia um, and other sites. And you know, probably there are some decent videos that come up on, on YouTube as well. And so all, in not much time, you can at least get some awareness of what kind of the main mating formations are what the main opening strategies are. I did a video, uh, opening strategies for beginners. And I took a whole bunch of recent games and I explained in basically the simplest terms I could, what were the three main strategies being applied and how. And you just have to start from a very simple place, build up very slowly. And, you know, if, if you're learning more and more fundamentals. You're getting better and better at kind of grasping opening strategy, grasping the center, understanding what you're trying to do there. Your board vision is improving a little bit. You're getting a little bit better at solving mating ones, mating twos, mating threes. And, you know, let's say some of these are very difficult. Well, there's an easy thing you can do. You can just save the example and I mean, the, the nice thing is going over a lot of examples really doesn't take that much time. I mean, nowadays with live chess studies on any browser and with chess base, you can easily save something. And let's say there were 10 that were really difficult for you. You could reasonably go through 10 difficult examples, maybe in not more than, uh, than 15 minutes. So the good thing is if you save the things that give you trouble, you're going to be moving in the right direction. And what I tell people to do is to always try to have a verbal explanation for all of your mistakes. And if you start doing that from, from really early on in your chess development, 
it's going to be so much easier later on. Because part of that means that when you're playing, you're going to be a lot more conscious of your decisions. And if you force yourself to basically write down what your calculations were right after your games and put it into your own game analysis, you just become more and more conscious of exactly what made you make that decision. What were the main factors and the main calculations that went into your decision? So what you do from there, you just keep tweaking, you keep improving, you keep finding small ways to, to build on exactly what you've been, you know, trying to, trying to do as a practical player. So, you know, maybe at the beginning, you might have 10, 15 moves in a game where you just can't explain why you played it. That's totally fine. Over time, the point is that, you know, you want to become more and more consistent as a player and you want your strategies to be more and more clear and you want your calculations to be more and more clear. So I think one of the, one of the core things as a practical player is to, is to start from a good place, have simple strategies in place, simple ideas, simple, you know, opening strategies that you want to apply, simple things that you're better and better at seeing, whether that's undefended pieces, whether that's making ones, whether that's making twos. And, you know, if you start off your first two or three months in chess with this very strong foundation, you can just keep going up and up. And I, I think one of the problems that some people have is that they, they start off getting really deep into heavy study. This isn't that many people, but some people. And they just don't quite have the board vision to justify it. So it's, it's really important to have that board vision side of it. But the good thing about it is that over time, your board vision will, I don't want to say it's going to hit diminishing returns, but, but essentially, um, a- after enough time, I mean, he- here's an example of what one of my students did with respect to tactical study. He did intense tactical study for 45 to 60 days, and he tried to do that on chess.com, and he had target goals, so he had a goal. He thought, okay, well, over this period, I want to try to gain 150 points on my tactics rating in a span of 45 to 60 days, and then he would stop and have a two-month break, and then he would come back, and each time he came back, he was seeing a bit more and a bit more, and he kept improving by 150 or 200 points, and sometimes even 300 points each time he came back. So essentially, he went from, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 to 1,450 to 1,700 to 1,900, and then eventually to 2,100. And it might be crazy to think that someone could go from essentially 1,000 level tactics to 2100 level tactics. Of course, these are inflated. This is just chess.com's rating scale, but it is, it is a real metric to follow. So, you know, imagine on a tactics server, you could potentially improve your tactics rating by 1100 points in, who knows, 12 months, 15 months, 16 months. So I think the real key here is consistency and also, of course, being realistic. You don't want to go into it and just go, oh, okay, well, if I'm not 2200 tomorrow, then I'm done with this. Of course, you got to take it slowly. You got to build up. And I think, it, I think as you're rapidly improving, 
what's so fun about that is that there just aren't that many things in life where you can improve that quickly, you can feel the progress, you can see yourself seeing more, you can kind of get that feeling for how you're grasping more on the board. So I think when you have all of those positive feedbacks kind of pushing you forward, the momentum just helps guide you in the right direction. So I think it's really important to just, you know, when you have that kind of consistent attitude and consistent approach, and if you can find the right material, you know, I tried to put up at least some good material on on YouTube that, that people starting out could follow. And if people are moving in that direction, I think they can go quite far. So I, I think one of the key things is that we have to have places to start. We, have, we should have a plan, but I want to be very clear about this. You don't want to get caught in analysis paralysis. You don't want to go, oh no, what should I do, that, what should I do now? I need to have a perfect plan. You don't need a perfect plan. What you need to do is go in small doses. I mean, t- take an example like this. Somebody says, well, which books should I read? Let's say it's a 1700 player and they say, well, my goal is to reach 2200 in, let's say, three years, which is actually a quite realistic goal. And they say, well, which books should I read? They say, should I read Alakine's best games? Should I read Smyslav's best games? Should I read Bofinick's best games? Should I read Secrets of Modern Chess Strategy? Um, <laughs> should I read the, uh, the Davarin Kolyasevich book? Which of these books should I read? And well, the answer is that these are all high quality books. They're all excellent books. So my thinking is, well, I would always like to know what the logic is of the best players who ever played the game and try to follow it and build on it. So my angle would be, okay, well, how long will it take me to realistically study Alakine's best games and Smyslov's best games and Oybe's best games and Karpov's best games? And, you know, okay, I think to myself, all right, well, let's say I study 10 or 15 pages a day. Well, okay, I can be done with the book in 20 days or a month, and maybe I can do 10 to 15 books in a year. These are just rough estimates. And so you get this idea and you go, well, you know, okay, I can pick my 10 to 15 favorite players, try to go through their books, and there you go. You've already built a plan for yourself. It actually doesn't really matter which order you go in, but I think everybody really knows. I I think everybody really knows deep down what order they want to study these books. You know, like take, for example, you like, let's just imagine you like Karpov more than Kasparov or Alakine. You would probably go, oh, I'm going to study Karpov's best games first. Makes perfect sense. Of course you would. So, you know, from that perspective, (laughs) most people really know what they want to be studying. They know what's the most enjoyable for them. I mean, here's a simple way to do it for the really indecisive types out there. One of the simplest things that I do, and actually I do this with very large amounts of data. So I have about 3,000, maybe 3,500 fully annotated excerpts on my computer that are just from my games, from high level games, from world championship games. And if I want to decide which ones I think are the best, very simply in the game info box, I just number it on a scale from one to 10. I go, well, this one's a 10. This one is a perfect illustration of name a topic, like pawn sacrifices. 
And then another one, I might go, well, this one's solid. It's, it's all right. Okay, I'll give it an eight. This one's pretty good. And if you're doing it that way, all you have to do once you've ranked everything is you just go back and you go, oh, okay, these are the ones I ranked a 10. These ones I ranked an eight. Okay, I'll do the 10 ones first. These are going to be the most enjoyable for me. And then I'll go on to the next ones. And I think, I think the most motivating factor that you'll have is just this feeling of completion. You get stuff done and you go, all right, now it's on to the next one. You're just building on this momentum that you've, you know, you've essentially been working on for days, weeks, months. And I think you want to eventually just get to a point. You just want to get to a point where it's all fun. It's all fresh. It's all enjoyable. And you just keep learning fun things. It's almost like, I guess, maybe an analogy I'd make here is, you know, it's kind of like when you when you check your mail or, you know, let's say, let's say you <laughs> go outside and you check your snail mail and, you know, you don't always get good news, but when you follow high level games or you follow correspondence games or you follow, you know, TCEC engine games, it's always good news. It's always good news every day. It's always, oh, here's a new Carlson game. Here's a new Stockfish game. Here's a new, you know, 2,500 plus versus 2,500 plus correspondence game. So I think if you just kind of get into a routine where you can follow things and it's fun and it's enjoyable, it takes a lot of the stress out of chess. And when I played, you know, when I was playing um, probably during my most intense period, probably in about 2011, for me, it was just kind of like, I wanted to figure out everything I was doing wrong and I wanted to reevaluate all of the mistakes I had made and fully understand why I made them and how to avoid them. And I think as you kind of build on this mindset and as you increase your awareness of the board and just, you know, you have to make it a routine. You have to be curious about all these things. And if you let your curiosity propel you forward, then I think, you know, it's kind of like you play your games. You're curious. You go, hmm, could I have played this structure? Hmm, what about that exchange? That exchange on D5. Should I have played that? Well, you know, my knight on D5 was actually a really strong piece. Maybe I should have kept it there. And so, you know, you start reflecting on, well, I could have played this structure. Maybe that would have given me more winning chances. Oh, well, I, I could have actually kept this strong piece. Oh, I could have played against the opponent's bad piece. Or you think, oh, well... You know, here I could have created a pawn weakness in the opponent's camp. Oh, you go, oh, well, here were the critical moments. I should have spent more time here. Oh, I miscalculated here. And if you're just curious about all these things and you want to know the truth, you want to know what you should have done, once you get that knowledge, you immediately want to apply it. You're like, I have all this fresh knowledge. I better go out and play. So I think... If you can approach chess with that sort of philosophy, you'll go very, very far.